Amen. Thank you, ladies. These gals get their ability to sing and their good looks from their dad. <laughs> their mom still has hers. But anyway, Mark chapter 4, uh, verse 25 is a text verse. Verse 25 is a text verse. For he that hath, to him shall be given. And he that hath not, from him shall be taken, even that which he hath. I want to preach this morning on the subject, and I'll explain the title a little ways into the sermon. I don't want to arrive until it's time to arrive. And let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that you bless the preaching of your word. I get excited about a truth. And Lord, I pray sometimes that you'd just help to calm my excitement that I can think and present the message and preach it in a way that it can be understood and more than that, that it can be applied to our lives. I believe the truth of the message is very important. I believe it will help every individual and certainly be a help to our church as a corporate body of believers. And I pray that you bless in power this morning. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. The truth or the principle that's stated in this verse, in our text verse, doesn't seem to be right. Doesn't seem to be right. He said, those that have, I'm going to give them more. And those that have not, I'm going to take from them. It's certainly the opposite of what's going on in our country today. But it seems at face value, it doesn't seem right. And it doesn't make sense, uh, and especially as you apply it to, to Christianity. But let me explain it in a way that will help us to understand it and will motivate our service for the Lord. I'm going to use an illustration of sports. Paul often used illustrations of fighting and running and races. I want to use an illustration for this truth that those that have, I'll give more, and those that have not, I'm going to take from them. If you look back over the last 20 years and see which college football programs are typically in the top 10, you will find that they are the same 12 to 14 teams. Last 20 years, maybe you can say 30 or 40 years. For example, if you talk about the top 10 teams, that's usually there, uh, you would have to include uh, Alabama, I just heard Scott Moore say amen from the uh, video booth back there. It may have been his wife, Leslie, but I think it was him. Uh, you would uh, have to include Ohio State, and some of you, you want to yell your team right now, and uh, you want to be careful. We may not have recognized them, uh, may not recognize them. Uh, LSU, uh, Michigan, Georgia, Oklahoma, and you, you do a study and you'll find that the top 10 teams are typically the same 12 to 15 teams through the years. If you look at the top 10 college basketball teams of the last 20 years, you would see the same thing. And you would see that certain programs are always in that top 10 group. Kentucky would always be in that group. Uh, North Carolina, uh, Kansas, uh, Duke. I'm sorry, Mom, I promised to wash my mouth out after the service today. And uh, uh, Virginia, Michigan, and so forth. And, you, and, and, and now don't get mad and miss the illustration if I didn't call you a team, all right? Now, why 
why do the best players always go to one of those programs? Why is it that they can recruit? Why, can, why do they attract the best players? They're winning teams. And people want to play for a winning team. They've worked hard to be that elite program and uh, players watch who wins and they want to play for a team that is typically a winner. Who loses their best players? Who loses their coaches? You take a fella who, is, who excels uh, as a football coach at a small school it's not very long until he gets a contract to coach at a big school. So what he's saying in this passage of scripture, he that hath, or he that uses what he has to become a winner is going to get more. And those that have not or don't use what they have will lose what they have. Are you with me this morning? Let me give another illustration. If you had $100,000 of retirement money to invest, that's just a good thought to think about anyway, whether you do or not. That's good to imagine. Uh, would you invest it in a winning company that has made a profit for many years? Or would you feel sorry for a struggling company and say, this company, they've not made any money in the last 50 years, but I just really feel bad for them. I'm going to invest my hundred thousand dollars with them no we feel sorry for something else beside that and uh, you would invest your money in a winning uh, or a company that is earning uh, the same is true of our another illustration is uh, uh, our muscles uh, you use the muscle you have and they increase you don't use the muscle you have and you lose it now that's the basic truth, that's the basic principle that he's giving. He is not applying it to those things, but those help us to understand what he is applying it to is for us to use what we have been given of the Lord to say, if you use what I have given you, I'll give you more. If you waste or you're lazy with what I have given you, I'm going to take what you have and I'm going to give it to the fellow that uses what I gave him to start with. He is teaching us that we, we, we have been given opportunity. We've been given talent. We've been given some wisdom. And we're to take that and we're to use that. And he's teaching us here not for our self-gratification but for his glory we're to use what God has given, and when we use what God has given, He gives more to be used. Now, I've been observing preachers and leaders for some time. My dad was a pastor. I grew up in church. I started going about uh, nine months before I was born uh, to church, and, and uh, so I've, I've observed preachers and uh, leaders for years now, and I like to fellowship with those that are successful. I like to learn from them. The first preacher's fellowship meeting 
I preached in. I was a young fella. I was a 21. I'd become the pastor of Bible Baptist Church in April of 1986. And uh, that fall, I was at a preacher's fellowship, and they asked me to preach. Now, I've always been excited about ministry, even before I was a pastor. I, I just don't know anything more gratifying than to take the gospel and help someone to know that heaven's their home for all eternity, that Christ is their Savior. The work of church has always excited me. And so when I preached, I told stories about how our church was growing and about folks that we had won to Christ and about how uh, we were seeing the blessings of the Lord. I'll never forget the moderator, an older man, he apologized to the other preachers for my zeal and lack of knowledge. He told the preachers in a few years I would come to a better understanding that you can't win people to Christ consistently and you can't really grow like I had preached and that I would calm down after a few years. Well, it's been 35 years and I haven't really calmed down too much and, and uh, when I get to heaven, I hope he's there, I'm going to tell him and talk to him about it. And, uh, but I remember how that disappointed me and what I saw was I observed in those preachers that and, and, and I'm not against golfing. If there's a golf course in heaven, I'm going to go. Uh, and I'm not against that. I just like what God's called me to do. And, uh, uh, and those that work, God blesses more. And those that don't work, he said, I'm going to take what you have and I'm going to invest it over here in this company uh, that is producing with what I have given them. I was reminded of that meeting recently. I was in a meeting of pastors, and I, I preach somewhere just about every week. I was in Clinton, Iowa this past Monday and Tuesday, and so I'm in a lot of meetings with pastors, and I was in a meeting uh, recently, and, and uh, I noticed a pastor there, and he at one time was a successful pastor, a pastor of a growing church, and uh, he had become very laid back, and not only laid, uh, laid back, a little bit negative toward ministry. And uh, he had become, if, uh, if I could use this word, just a little bit lazy. And uh, he said, uh, soul winning doesn't work, and, uh, and Bible preaching, that doesn't work anymore. And so he was frustrated that his church wasn't growing. I wrote down on my pad where I was taking notes. I don't want to arrive until it's time for me to arrive at home in heaven. You see what happened to him? He worked until he got satisfied, and then he quit when he got satisfied, and he started coasting, and when he started coasting, he started losing. Then he started complaining that he was losing what he had. He was losing what he had because he stopped working to get what he had to start with. Now, here's what I'm preaching this morning. It's the exact opposite of everything you've heard out of Washington, D.C. for the last six months. Here's what I'm preaching this morning. God's been good to us in this country. God's been good to our church. God's been good to us as individuals. I'm not supposed to take what I have and sit on that or be lazy about that. I'm supposed to take what God has given me, and I'm to give it my very best to use everything that God's given me. And I have learned when I use what God's given me, He gives me more, not to retire, but to use. 
And when I use what God gives me the second time, God gives to me again and again and again. And according to this passage and many others like it, God keeps giving to those that keep using what he has given to them. I, I don't want to arrive. I want to work until Jesus comes. I've been asking, and it's become a popular thing among Baptists today, and I didn't know this when I was a boy. I'd never seen it before. I didn't know anything about retiring. And when folks ask me, when are you going to retire? And I tell them, I, they call it a funeral. Now, that's not, that's not good news for some folks in church who don't care for me, but uh, nevertheless, uh, 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 I, I, I don't like the thoughts of retiring. I like the thoughts of using what God's given me until Jesus comes. I don't want to coast. I want to hit the turbo charge. God blesses those that, that use what he has given them. I believe the Christian life sort of like flying on an airplane. You can't stop and fill up for gas up there. You have to keep flying till the flight's over. You can't say, I've changed my mind. Can, can we stop and let me off? Well, they might could let you off, but it may not be a very safe landing. Uh, but, but, but the Christian life is not made to get to the place of being complacent or get to the place of being satisfied. God says everything in his word, from the knowledge we gain from his word to the responsibility he gives us that as I learn, as I receive and use what I I have I get to go to the next grade and there I get to learn more and use what I have and I get to learn more to use what I have so I can get to the next grade I want to do that until Jesus comes and I want to say to this church if we ever get to the place that we're satisfied we say well this is enough people in church it's not friend what's in the barn that counts it's how much it's in the field that needs to be harvested that's where the church needs to be looking today and it's not looking to be satisfied with a barn being filled or a church being filled but yea there are thousands and untold millions that have never heard the gospel we must keep going until Jesus comes I was uh, here at the church this week, actually Friday morning, I was uh, preparing for the funeral and, and uh, greeting uh, the family and helping them as they got set up and ready for the funeral of Sister Amos, uh, Brother John Kennedy was uh, here first uh, early uh, Friday morning and as I was sitting here in my uh, little camper office that I have out here, I, I was watching Brother Charles and Brother David, they were working cleaning up out here and they was using bobcats and backhoes and, 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 and trucks. And, and I, I, I thought of the day when I was a teenage boy, we, we didn't have any bobcats. We didn't have any backhoes. But I knew how to use a mattock and a shovel and a wheelbarrow. I don't know how many times that I've cleaned out the ditches behind the church, not with a piece of equipment. Well was a piece of equipment had about a half a horsepower behind it and that was me a mattock and a shovel and I I just got excited I said Lord it is an amazing thing if you'll use what you have what you'll give to bless a man I, I, I said, Lord, I thank you today that we have a backhoe and a bobcat and a truck and, and, and they're using them. <laughs> and they're using them. 
I'm thankful today for the opportunity to preach in this church, and I'm honored. I mean that. I'm honored. In fact, I'm a bit amazed and surprised as I began preaching just to children and children's church services and small crowds. And God, when you use what you have, God gives you more. And when you use what God gives you more of, he'll give you more. And the fellow that sits over here and complains about the guy that keeps getting blessed, God said, well, you're not going to use yours anyway. You're not going to need it. I'm going to take it and give it to him. Now, I want to tell you something. This excites me about life. Socialism doesn't excite me at all. Communism doesn't excite me at all. But I love this principle. I love this truth that if you use what God gives you, God will give you more. There are men here today and their families here today that you've worked hard to build a work and a business that you have. And because you worked hard, God gave you more. And you worked hard, God gave you more. I want to say that's the Bible truth. That's the Bible way. That's God's way of blessing those that use what God has given them to use. Listen to this verse, Daniel 2.12. Daniel 2.12. And he... Changeth the times and the seasons. Now, whether men are not in charge of anything except to report what God's doing in the weather. But God says it's time for winter. It's time for spring. It's time for summer. It's time for fall. It's not the folks that are worried about global warming that's changing things. God's in control of the times and seasons. Now, he tells us that to start with. And then he says, he removeth kings... And setteth up kings. And then he says this. He giveth wisdom unto the wise. And knowledge to them that know understanding. Now think about that. He giveth wisdom to the wise. If our government was in charge, they give wisdom to the stupid. I shouldn't have said that. They give wisdom to the dumb or the ignorant. There's not, not many ways to compliment a lazy person. But anyway, that, that's what they would do with it. And you know what? We wouldn't have any. But God said, I've got wisdom to invest. I'm going to give that wisdom to those that are using the wisdom they already have. By the way, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And those that have no fear of God or recognize that he's the creator, they don't have any wisdom. And so you can't expect them to get any wiser. Because you don't get wisdom being dumb. You don't get wisdom rejecting God. He said, I'll give wisdom to the wise. I give knowledge to him that knows or has understanding. Those that use what they have uh, used to be. You had to learn what you were supposed to learn in the first grade to get to pass to the second grade. Then you had to pass that grade to get to the third grade. In fact, Brother Tyrus told me the two best years of his life was the third grade. That's what he said. Now, 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 we, we're not like that today, but I want to tell you something. God's economy hasn't changed. God's principles, God's truth haven't changed. And I want to say to us today, we want to keep on keeping on. It's not a matter of the blessings God's given. It's a matter of using the blessings God's given so we can continue the work that God has allowed us to do. Let, let, me, let me give you some statements. First of all, we ought to keep learning. Some of you have memorized Bible, but you don't memorize it anymore. 
uh, some of you, you used to read the Bible and know the Bible, and you feel like you know enough. Uh, what you're going to do is you're going to forget what you've learned. If you want to keep what you learned and keep learning, you need to keep studying the Bible. God's people, I'm not a pope. I, I'm, I'm not a priest. I'm a Baptist preacher. I, I'm not your representative of heaven. Christ is. You're supposed to read the Bible yourself. You're supposed to walk with God yourself. The Bible says in 2 Timothy 2.15, Study to show thyself approved unto God. A workman needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. That means I need to keep learning about spirituality. That means I need to continue to learn practical things. Uh, that means I need to continue to learn about work and God's word and forgiveness and kindness and courtesy and love and wisdom and Holy Spirit fullness, less of me and more of him. I don't want to say, boy, I sure am thankful for what I've learned. I think I've learned enough to carry me through life. That's not the way it works. I want to say, I'm thankful for what I've learned. Now that's introduced me to the next grade of life. The more I learn about him, the more I want to learn about him. Thank God for the Apostle Paul who said of the things that he had learned when he came to the place of weakness, when he came to the place of failure, it was there that he learned of a Christ that was even better, the God in the valley was even better than the God on the mountain. He said, I want to keep on learning that I may know him, he said, and the power of his resurrection. I challenge you today to keep learning the word of God. We want to keep listening. We want to keep listening. It's interesting, this phrase, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. He said that to all seven churches of Asia Minor in Revelation 2 and 3. He said that to every single church. Jesus would often say to the crowd, Hey, he that hath ears to hear, let him hear. He wasn't saying those of you that are not deaf. That's not what he was saying. He was saying, those of you that are born again, pay attention and receive the truth that I've given you. Can I tell you, I can't understand multiplication until I understand addition and the value of numbers. And you can't understand beyond that until you learn what's been given to you. We need to keep listening, listening to the preaching of the Word of God. Listening to the Holy Spirit teach us in the Word of God. We're not supposed to take what we have and sit down and retire and say, well, I think I've got enough from God. God may say, well, if that's all you're going to do, I'll just bring you on to heaven then. I don't know about you. I don't want to arrive until it's time for me to arrive. He didn't save me. He didn't bless me to sit down. He blessed me to keep on serving. He blessed me to keep on learning, to keep on listening. I, I, I say number three, I want to keep winning. For the cause of Christ. I love these words. Revelation 3.21. To him that overcometh. Now I found that phrase several times in the Bible. And every time it says. To him that overcometh. Will I give or will I grant. God said I reward every person that overcomes. No participation awards are given. Just overcomers. Just to overcomers. He says to him that overcometh. Dad, you ought to keep winning. 
Mom, you ought to keep winning. Children need to see a mom and dad that keep going through the difficulties of life and nothing uh, keeps them from going on. They may get knocked down, but they get back up again. As I uh, gave uh, the funeral message for Sister Nancy Amos uh, on Friday, uh, their first child uh, was born. Dr. Amos was in residency, uh, in his residency in Detroit. And uh, then the second child was born premature, lived 10 days. The next child was born Down syndrome, lived 30 years. To talk to them, all you heard was the joys and the goodness of life. He said of his wife, I don't have one negative thing, never have one negative thing to say about Nancy. He said she's everything ever desired in a wife and more. He said, I never had an argument with her. I thought, pal, surely to goodness he's had an argument with her. But I found out how not to have an argument. He knew when to say yes, ma'am. Huh? Now, now, folks, listen. Children need to see when their mom and dad go through a tough time, they don't quit. They don't complain. They don't turn back. And as Brother Amos said, I got a hold of Romans 8, 28, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to those that are called according to his purpose. He said, I decided when the good came, I would enjoy it. When the bad came, I'd make it through. But I wasn't going to quit. We need to decide we're not going to be quitters, but we're going to be winners in life. We're going to be overcomers. Number four, I want to keep growing. Spiritually, that is. I want to keep growing. Second Peter chapter 3. Here's what the Bible says. Ye therefore, beloved, seeing you know these things before, beware lest you also being led away with the error of the wicked fall from your own steadfastness. Then it says this. Here's how not to fall from where you are. Oh, this is good. I wish we'd get a hold of this. He said, here's how to keep from falling where you are. Grow in grace. If you don't want to fall, keep growing. Keep growing. But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Number five, I want to keep serving the Lord. I want to keep serving the Lord. I want, I want to serve him. And folks ask me, and uh, they ask me, well, how, how, old, how old are you now? It doesn't matter how old I am. I, I like what Dr. Lakin used to say when he was up in his 70s. Maybe, maybe it was 80. And uh, uh, they, he said, they tell folks that old Dr. Lakin's got one foot in the grave. He said, I might do it. But he said that when I got out of the grave is one they're worried about. <laughs> now, I like that. I like that. I'm reminded of the fellow in his 90s. He said he was going to take a trip around the world. His family said, oh, no, no, we, we don't think you should do that. They got him to talk to his doctor. And his doctor said, I, I, I don't think you should take a trip around the world in your 90s. I, I may never see you again. The old man said to his doctor, he said, yes, sir, you may not be here when I get back. <laughs> now, I want to tell you, this talk about... Uh, about quitting and this talk of socialism and this talk of giving. Uh, friend, God bless his work and God rewards faithfulness and God rewards when we keep moving forward. Here's what the psalmist said, Psalm 71. O God, thou hast taught me from my youth and hitherto have I declared 
thy wondrous works. Listen. Now when I am old and gray-headed, O God, forsake me not until I have showed thy strength unto this generation and thy power to everyone that is to come. And when he said, Lord, you took care of me when I was young and you've helped me through life and I've come to the place of old age, but I'm not ready to quit yet. I'm not ready to come to heaven yet. What I'd like to do, I'd like to show your strength to everybody in this generation. Oh, that's the attitude we need in our lives, in our Sunday school classes, in our bus ministry. That's the attitude that we need, dear friend, in our churches today. Take your Bibles and go to Isaiah 40. I'm just about out of time. The trouble is I'm not out of sermon. Isaiah chapter 40. Isaiah chapter 40. I'll finish on time. I've learned that sermons don't have to be eternal to be divine. Isaiah 40, verse 31. But they that wait upon the Lord. Now the word wait does not mean just sit and do nothing. I ate at a restaurant in Iowa on Tuesday. I sat down and they came waited on me. They said, what would you like to drink? What would you like to eat? They asked me. They, they, they waited on me. That's an indication of illustration of what this means, they that wait upon the Lord. Here's what the Bible says. Shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. And they shall walk and not faint. I understand. I understand that sickness and death comes. I understand that. But until it does, I want to take what God's given. I want to do my very best to serve him in this week with everything I have in me. Because I believe God invests more in those that use what he's given to them. Now think of the scripture illustration. You think of the oil lamp. My grandmother loved her kerosene lamps. She loved when the electricity would go out. She'd say the same thing every time. Now when I was a little girl, we didn't have electricity. She liked it when everybody came in the living room and just that lamp would there as a storm would pass by and all the electric out, we just sat around that little kerosene lamp. Here's the illustration the Bible gives. A lamp is not made to be put under the bed or to be put on a bushel, under a bushel. It's made to put on the lampstand. And they would, they, they would put oil in a clay saucer and then they would fix a wick like a lantern we use today, and they would light the wick. Now, that wick had to burn up. But here's what he was saying. If you'll let your light shine, I'll keep putting oil in the vase. But if you're not going to let your light shine, there's no need for me to put any oil in the vase. I've learned a secret to get the blessings of God. It's not just to save them and hold on to them as the one who had the talent. He hid it because he didn't want to lose it. I've learned something. Use to the best of your ability what you have, and God will bless you with more. Stand with me this morning. If you're here and you don't know Christ as your Savior, you ought to trust Christ as your Savior today. Today is a day of salvation. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. I was thinking this morning... Today is the 10th anniversary 
of Gospel Light Baptist Church in Hazard. I remember when my brother, who had retired from the Kentucky State Police, was praying about what God, what, what to do with his life. And I told him, I said, just surrender to the will of God. He said, to do what? I said, anything, just tell him I surrender. God called him to preach. Ten years ago today, they started Gospel Light Baptist Church. He told me yesterday, he said, now listen to this. 1,363 people have come to know Christ as Savior in these last ten years. And then he said this, and it blessed my heart. Thank you for investing in me so that 1,363 people can come to know Christ as Savior. You know what God says? Use what I have and I'll give you more. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd help us today. Help us in our prayer life, our knowledge of Scripture. Lord, we need not let this culture influence and tell us it's time to quit and stop and just sit and wait. It's time to serve until you come. Help us as a church. Help us as individuals to keep moving forward. Bless our invitation in Jesus' name.